The Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition presents Prostate Cancer, One Man's Journey, a special podcast series featuring Michael Despezio, who shares insightful experience in dealing with prostate cancer, from his early diagnosis to medical options he undertook to how his quality of life was affected. Michael is a writer, TV host, and science educator who's co-authored over 60 science textbooks used in K-12 classrooms. He's chronicling his journey with prostate cancer in an effort to help others. As we continue our discussions, Michael, we're thrilled that you're here sharing with us that you're doing so well. But let's back up a little bit up to about three months after surgery when you got the first results of PSA. What was that like? Again, it was anxiety around it because this was a critical PSA test because it would have shown if cancer had already spread before the surgery that wasn't detected in other ways. And it was unbelievable to find out that that it was 0.01. That's where you want to be. Yeah. yeah. Or actually, I should say less than that, it turned out. So it was basically undetectable. When you get down to those small amounts and they can't find that PSA, what that suggests is that they got all the cancer. All the cancer was eliminated. That must have aided in your return to uh, good mental health as well, along with all the therapy you were getting and all the help you were getting. It was. I guess you can see the smile coming across (laughs) my face right now. Yeah, I remember getting that value back and saying, this is great. This gives me breathing time. Let me address some questions that are common. What is cancer? What are we talking about here? Cancer is an illness which is based upon the cells within the body. Now, your body is made up of trillions of cells. And these cells, healthily, they will reproduce. They will make duplicates. They will copy themselves. However, if something goes wrong in the cell blueprints, in the DNA, and you're probably familiar with the term DNA. Of course. If something goes wrong in the DNA, the cell can lose its regulation of reproduction, and the cell can just make more copies, more copies, more copies, more copies, more copies. And that is what cancer is about. It's unregulated cell reproduction. Mm-hmm. There's other things that happen with the cell, but knowing that what you have now is a multitude of these cells, which can then interfere with your healthful body state, is the problems that we associate with cancer. The prostate gland, the the subject of our discussions, that little gland has a lot to do with men's health. What is its official function and how? Okay, the prostate gland is a gland uh, which is about the size of a walnut. And it is found in your lower pelvis. Actually, it's tucked away among a whole bunch of other things, which which makes it problematic when you're doing surgery or if you're doing treatment on it because you've got other structures which you can accidentally injure. Mm. And what the prostate gland does is that it produces a fluid in which sperm not only swim, but they feed. The, The fluid is a media for the sperm. So when you ejaculate, when sperm leaves your body, they're swimming in this fluid, but the fluid contains sugars and other types of materials which help nourish the sperm. Building blocks, nutrients, if you will, in a sense. Nutrients, exactly. It's a nutritious fluid. You told us in an earlier episode of this podcast series that you didn't have any outlying symptoms, but you still tested for prostate cancer ultimately. What could be symptoms of prostate cancer or then again the enlarged prostate? What's the difference? Great question. Uh, The classic symptoms revolve around urination, whether it is urinating too much, not urinating enough, feeling as if you have to go and you can't. Blood might be in the urine. Mm -hmm. So most of these early symptoms 
are not going to be found distant from the prostate because it's still really limited localized. in its growth. Exactly, right, localized right, to the prostate. Right. Uh, so there will be symptoms in urination. Okay. You hear the expression, well, if you live long enough, you're going to likely get prostate cancer of some kind. Uh, I believe the American Cancer Society in their estimates in 2022 said that one out of eight men will probably get prostate cancer within their lifetime. We know that certain ethnic groups and certain racial groups, particularly African-American men, are a much higher incidence of prostate cancer. This is a concern, isn't it? It is definitely a concern. The reason why is that everyone has their own unique type of prostate cancer, which is set in motion by the genes. Everyone has different genes. There might be some forms of prostate cancer, not only which are more common in black men, but also are more aggressive. It is critical. It is critical for black men to be testing, testing as much, even more than white men are since they may be more susceptible to having prostate cancer and they may be more susceptible to having more aggressive forms. One more population that we probably should address, and that's trans women. Yes, we, we do need to address that group uh, because trans women who have transitioned from male to female also can have prostate issues. If we look at this group, um, of individuals, even those that have undergone gender-affirming surgery still retain a prostate. That means that they are susceptible to prostate illnesses. For many men listening, and for some women, the idea of even going to the doctor is scary enough. They don't want to know the results. I feel fine. I'll just keep rolling along and take my chances. But uh, there is a series of tests that can really save your life. One is the digital rectal exam, and sometimes people get the, the willies even thinking about that, but it's certainly not anything to be scared of, and it could really help you. Yeah, it, it's all about early detection, and although that is only one of the tests, and often that may not find a tumor that's in the prostate, but it can at least help guide what your next steps are going to be. Right. And it's easy. It's not hard. It, it takes a few moments. And assuming you're dealing with a well-trained physician, it should be okay. Yep. You're going to hear that gloving on sound where the glove gets <laughs> snapped on. There'll be lubricant. And what the physician will then do is look and examine the prostate by going in through the rectum and is able to really examine part of the gland, not the full gland, but in that part, they can see if they detect a hard nodule, which would be suggestive that there is a tumor growing there. Right. And we've talked, of course, about your own experience with the PSA test. This is simply a blood test, very simple and easy to administer this test. And of course, it's a very important signifier of what could be trouble. Exactly. And as you're saying, what could be trouble is real important because mm -hmm. the PSA test does have its controversy. People say, you know, it's causing unneeded anxiety in many men. And indeed, it will cause anxiety. However, for those in which the cancer is likely to progress to high risk, to deadly aggressive forms, it's important that we are tested so that we're able to monitor what's going on with the PSA and use what we observe to then trigger what the next steps of treatment will be. Certain people are opposed to excess testing. They think it's a good idea to ease off on the number of tests. What's your take on that? 
talk with your physician because your physician is going to explain the importance of this test, how it will be looked at, how it will be used. They're partners with you, so he or she will help you come to the conclusion of which test beyond PSA is important for you to maintain health. Michael, in addition to PSA numbers, you've also mentioned the Gleason score. Now, what is that all about? Not all prostate tumors are the same. Some are high risk, and they are more likely to advance and spread, and others are low risk. And the Gleason score is a way of assigning risk to prostate cancer. Now, the score is based upon the physical appearance or pattern of the cancerous cells. Now, although the pattern numbers range from 1 to 5, that is, from the most normal to the most abnormal looking, only the values of 3, 4, and 5 are reported on a biopsy. When the pathologist analyzes cancerous tissue, two grades are assigned to the sample. The primary grade, the first number, is the score assigned to the majority of the tumor specimen. The secondary grade, the second number, is assigned to the less frequent pattern. Adding these two numbers together produces the Gleason score. So if your primary pattern was a 3 and your secondary pattern was a 4, your Gleason score would be 3 plus 4 or 7, which has intermediate risk. A score of 3 plus 3, the lowest possible sum, is a Gleason score of 6, which means it's low risk. And finally, a score of 8 or 9 to 10 are high and very high risks, respectively. What does the Gleason grade group refer to? This can get confusing, since the Gleason grade group is different from the Gleason score. The Gleason grade group is a newer system for better differentiating risk that was previously presented as a Gleason score. You know, it helps clear up a number of things, and it uses numbers 1 to 5, 1 which is the lowest risk, and 5 being the highest. The main advantage of this scale is that it separates out the two sums that add up to a score of 7 which are 3 plus 4 and 4 plus 3. Although the sums are the same, the tumor is very likely to behave differently. The score of 3 plus 4 is assigned a grade group of 2, intermediate but favorable risk. The score of 4 plus 3, also a 7, is assigned a grade group of 3. It's still intermediate but has unfavorable risk. The reason for this grouping system is not to confuse people, uh, but to better distinguish the two ways of producing a Gleason score of 7, since the more we uncover about a 3 plus 4 versus a 4 plus 3, the more we learn how differently these tumors behave. Very informative and very helpful to people who are going to face this. Michael, thank you so much. My pleasure. The topics discussed on this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be used to make medical decisions. Every individual has unique circumstances which will influence their medical care and the application of scientific literature should be interpreted within the context of your general health. Please consult a doctor before making any clinical decisions. You've been listening to a special series, Prostate Cancer, One Man's Journey with Michael Despezio. For more, visit the Massachusetts Prostate Cancer Coalition website, masspcc.org.
Again, you can subscribe and download our regular podcast series, Prostate Cancer and You, available on all major podcast platforms. This is Jordan Rich. Thank you for listening.